This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. To the Harbor One hotline we go to break down what happened at the Garden last night and moving forward against the Miami Heat. Gary Washburn covers the NBA and the Celtics for the Boston Globe, and he's with us on the Harbor One hotline. Gary, are you a tequila guy? Fourier and I went off the exit ramp a moment ago on uh, tequilas. Uh, and uh, if so, when will the Gary Washburn tequila brand be debuting if you are a tequila guy? Not really a tequila guy. Like, I'll take a shot when it's a bunch of people or someone brings up, but I am not, like, the first to suggest tequila shots. So I would not be the guy to open up my own tequila brand. Have you um, – did you by any chance uh, taste uh, Wick Grosbeck's uh, Sincoro tequila? You ever heard, You ever tasted that? I, yeah, I think I did. It's pretty good. Yeah, I think I did a few years ago when it first hit the market. Oh, it's like NBA introduced, yeah. Well, yeah. hope, well, hopefully when they win the championship, there'll be bottles for the, you know, the media folks oh, to take on the way yeah, out the right. door. Might as well. If Kevin Hart is promoting it and uh, cracking back at Jason Tatum, why shouldn't Wick do the uh, same thing? And, Gary, let's just start right there. Uh, I know Doc Rivers said the only guy that he has ever seen who had a performance like Jason Tatum did is one that happened right in front of him with LeBron James in the Boston Garden years ago. You've seen a lot of basketball, Gary. Where do you put Tatum's performance from last night? Yeah, it's, it's up there with one of the top five or ten. You know, just given the moment, game seven, everything's on the line. And him just starting, I mean, he was just steady from the beginning. 11 points in the first quarter, 14 in the second. So he, he started off fast and kind of continued. There was not... Like a like a thirty point quarter or just a stretch where he was dominant. He was dominant the entire game. I mean, he put pressure on Philadelphia's defense, and then he went to the rim, got a couple of early layups and dunks, and the three pointers started going down. Then that opened up the driving lane, so all of a sudden he was unstoppable. So just a tremendous effort from a guy who obviously had not been really good in this series besides the four minutes, the last four minutes of Game Six. But that four minutes saved the Celtics season, and then he t- takes him home uh, with an amazing performance, 51 points. And uh, we'll see what's uh, in the future because I think he's going to, you know, he's going to need to be good in this Miami series. So, Gary, um, you know whose name we haven't mentioned at all today? Well, maybe once in passing was Joe Mazzula. How do you think he fared, uh, I guess, uh, in game seven? I thought he did a solid job. I think he saved the series by going with the double big lineup mm-hmm. and, and inserting Robert Williams back into the lineup and kind of going from a look from last season. I thought that changed the complexion of the series and that won the series for him for them. Um, I, I thought he did fine. He, I mean, you know, he's going to get out coached here and there because he's, he's obviously the first year coach. He's coaching against, um, you know, old Fox, I call him, and, and Doc Rivers, who's been in you know hundreds of playoff games and the same thing. Uh, before, you know, with Quinn Snyder. So this will be the same situation coming up, even worse, because Eric Spolcher is 
a kind of a is a brilliant coach, and so he's going to come up with all kinds of quirky defenses and plays to try to stop him. So I think, but I thought Missoula did a solid job. He he responded. He didn't stick with he didn't get stubborn in his philosophies uh, for too long. He was able to save the series by that with that adjustment, and we'll see what happens going forward. Gary, I know that the Celtics were rolling yesterday, but it felt like their offensive pace. Not only were they getting into maybe some offensive sets quicker, but they were trying to get the ball up the floor, continued to be aggressive. Tatum went to the hole. I mean, hell, I don't think he shot a three-pointer until, like, what, late second quarter or something crazy like that. Jalen Brown was aggressive as well. Is that got to be a bigger part of the moving forward, in your opinion, Gary, for the Celtics offense? Those guys in particular taking it to the rim, boomer bust? Yeah, they got to be. They got to play with a fast pace when they slow it down. And that's what Miami's going to want to do. Miami's going to want to muck up this series and make it ninety six ninety. They do not want the Celtics to get one hundred twenty points. Like they don't have a formula to win that way because they're not a high scoring team. So the Celtics are going to have to push the pace. Going to have to, you know, push the ball so Miami doesn't get into its set defense. Uh, doesn't get into that zone, and then they can have better shot opportunities. And I think that was the case in Game 7. And obviously Philadelphia at, at, at certain points just kind of gave up defensively. Like they just uh, – that one play against Brogdon where they just kind of walked away from him and gave him an open three. They couldn't do anything with Tatum. And I just think that was just the Celtics chipping away, chipping away until Philadelphia broke. So, Gary, you know what I thought was interesting is that you had a column in the Globe today, this morning um, – that you sat down and you talk with Jason Tatum's dad, Justin yeah. Tatum. I, I, you know what? I hear about his mom. I hear about his son, but I don't think I've ever actually heard anything about his dad. Like, how did that come to be? And uh, what was what was the conversation like? Yeah, his dad is a high school basketball coach. Coached against Jason's rival, like high school, and they were rivals. And uh. So he has coached Jason since he was about eight years old. He's been in his life the whole time. Um, he comes to more road games. You know, he'll drive. He still lives in St. Louis. He'll drive to Memphis when they play the when they play the Grizzlies. He'll drive to you know Milwaukee, things like that. He'll travel. To, he's been to some road games during the playoffs. So he's kind of a guy who has kept a low profile during Jason's career, but they they talk a lot. And, you know, they, they hang out. And, and Jason's got, you know, um, a y- younger siblings from, from his dad, things like that. So I saw him and just, you know, asked him, I mean, what's it like to kind of watch your son, you know, develop into this megastar and then put up 51 points on Mother's Day in a, in a game that meant everything was on the table. And so uh, he opened up. And, yeah, he's definitely part of his life. He, obviously, he's not in Boston as much. It doesn't have the higher profile, but yeah, Jason definitely has a strong relationship with his father. Yeah, because uh, the, the I guess the uh, the opposite of that would be Al Horford's dad, who was on uh, every single camera shot after every timeout or yeah. every play that he does. There you see Al Horford's dad, like in a real jersey, looking like he could still play. Well, Tito played in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, so he gotta, looked like he could still play. Former NBA, you got to get him in. Yeah, no. <laughs> Tito definitely looks like he's in great shape. He definitely looks like he can still give you 10 minutes in the game. And, <laughs> and Jason's father played at St. Louis University. He played overseas, played with uh, NBA player, uh, former NBA player Larry Hughes. They're very close friends, and they played together 
um, in high in high school and won a state championship and then played together at St. Louis University and then all, then uh, Justin played some years overseas. So yeah, he definitely Jason comes from basketball roots. Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe here with Gresh and Fourier. I know folks here are thinking of turning the page and talking Miami, but we got to stop down for a second. Gary, you cover uh, the NBA for the Globe nationally. How big a mess is it in Philadelphia this afternoon? Yeah, it's a lot going on. I, I don't think that they expected a, the, the second half no-show and to kind of throw in the towel. I think that that's what's more stunning. I think they knew that coming back and winning a game seven in Boston would be a real challenge, but I think they felt like this team was up to it, at least to push the Celtics to the brink, to the final minutes. And I think the perception is now that they blew the series in game six, like that fourth quarter of game six where Jason Tatum got going and B didn't touch the ball, uh, you know, hard to get to barely get the ball to the floor. That was kind of their downfall. And they had a good start up, to, you know, up nine points early second quarter. And it looked like, oh boy, uh, Philadelphia has come to play. They're going to be here the whole game. But they just, they just that thirty-three to five run, and obviously that an indictment on the team, but also Doc Rivers. So now, what do you do with Doc Rivers? Do you keep him around? He's sixty-one years old, and I tend to think guys that fifteen years ago, obviously he's, he's in his mid forties. He's still young and energetic. Um, he's coaching the big three. What he was saying, his message resonated with that generation, okay? As he's gotten older, it didn't work out in L.A. with the Clippers. They would only make it so far, and then they would collapse. And it's kind of the same in Philadelphia. And I don't know that Doc's message and his style is resonating with younger players. And I, and I tend to think that, you know, it could be the end for him. This might be his final job, obviously. TV is waiting for him. They would love to have him on TNT telecast or whatever to commentate because he's a great personality, a well-known person in the league, well-liked. But I don't know if it works in Philadelphia. That's a tough job. You know, you have Embiid and you have a bunch of other guys. James Harden, a, a guy who's not what he once was but still thinks he is. Tobias Harris, a very highly paid number three or number four guy who like just doesn't show up in big games, just doesn't see it. Although he had 19 points, uh, he's leading scorer in game seven, just doesn't have a, you know all-star salary but not all-star game. Uh, 37-year-old P.J. Tucker, you just got, you know, you got, got you don't, you have a team, but you don't have a great team, right? And I think the depth of the Celtics wore them out. I think uh, in Doc, how much blame does he take? As we've seen in the last – week or so. Mike Budenholzer won a championship two years ago, fired. Monty Williams, uh, you know, loses a closeout game by 30 points at home, fired. So coaches will take the the brunt of the criticism and the blame. And then what do they do with James Harden? Can you win a championship with Embiid? What kind of players do you need around Embiid? Like, all these questions come up, and this is what and in some cases might have been asked in Boston that they had lost a series. Can Jason and Jalen play together? Can they win a championship? Now they have to worry about that. That's Philly's problem, and it's been Philly's problem for years. And the question is, how do you win a title with Embiid? What do you put around him, and what kind of coach does he need? So we're talking to Gary uh, Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe. Gary, now let's move on to uh, the, next, the, the Celtics' next opponent being the Miami Heat, uh, Jimmy Butler, Spolstra, Pat Riley, you name it. Um, 
they're an eighth seed, yet they've gone through the first two rounds. How dangerous, really, are the Miami Heat? Very dangerous in the sense of their style of play, their great coaching. They're playing fully confident now. They they spent this season being uninterested in the, in the regular season, injured most of the time, just stuff you know going on in Miami, just not as engaged as they should be coming off a season where they're the number one seed and lost in Game 7 to the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. So they finally got it together, and they're still not full. They, Victor Oladipo out, Tyler Hero out, but they've just managed to play kind of an ugly but cohesive style of basketball that's just gotten it done. I mean, it, they, they mucked it up, and, and Jimmy Butler was amazing in the Milwaukee series against the Knicks. They limited them, limited them defensively. The Knicks only really had one productive scoring player, and that was Jalen Brunson. So the Knicks couldn't score. So the, the, the Heat won every game 98-90. to 90. And that's the way they'll want to do this series. They will want to muck it up. Eric Spolster is going to throw all types of zone defenses, confusing blitzes, all of these situations to try to slow down Boston's offense and try to turn the game ugly. So I, I think they're a definite threat. And as you guys know, they have a couple of guys on their roster that have killed the Celtics in the past. Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, and Bam Adebayo. All those guys have had success against the Celtics in the past. They're not afraid to play in the Garden. So I don't think it'll be – I would think it would not be a seven-game series, but to think that, oh, they're just going to walk through and sweep Miami four games, easy walk to the finals. No, do not think that. Yeah, even though the numbers will say Miami's an underdog, come on now. Like, we all know the drill. They're, they've been to three Eastern Conference Finals in four years as well. That doesn't exactly fit an underdog tag, does it? No, and especially with their coaching and any team with Jimmy Butler, you know, they are they are a formidable opponent. Okay, now, they don't have a lot of household names. You know, Caleb Martin, an aging Kevin Love, you know, Gabe Vincent undrafted. You know, Max Struess, the former Celtic kind of prospect who they let go a couple of years ago and has now turned himself into an NBA starter. So they got guys that, you know, obviously are not on the, you know, famous on basketball cards and not on posters, but they work hard and they play that same system and that heat culture that people hate to hear about, but it's actually true. And so that's what the Celtics have to watch out for, especially game one. Don't walk, waltz in, you know, boasting off – the victory over the 76ers get punched in the mouth and suddenly you're down in this series. Like, come out with a seriousness, take game one, try to get game two, and then put Miami on its heels so you can take control of the series. Uh, the, the, the Miami's best hope is to try to sneak one in Boston and extend this series long, and hopefully for them, Jimmy Butler is the best player in the series. The Celtics cannot let that happen. Love it. Our guy Gary Washburn's been fantastic. And potentially only eight more wins left for the Celtics. And it uh, could be a very busy month. Gary, thanks, friend. We appreciate it. We'll uh, catch you later on in the week. Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it.